I do a daily devotion every day for our church. I write one every morning. We, we challenge them to read through the Bible uh, every year. And uh, so I have been writing them a devotion out of what we read every day. And recently, uh, I wrote a devotion from Psalm 45. Psalm 45, and it's um, certainly fitting for today. I want to speak to you on the king's wedding. The king's wedding. Um, you know, I, I, I think about... My mind goes back today. Everything this past week, I have been uh, contemplating what took place 47 years ago. And I can recall almost every day uh, of that week leading up to our marriage. And, of course, we were just childhood sweethearts. And Gail is the only girlfriend I have ever had. And uh, I've never had another. And she's... Uh, I, I was, uh, we were 13, uh, I was in need of a friend, At, you've, I wouldn't want to go through that, that, that time of transitioning into teenage years, I was the most awkward, uh, I felt like I was the ugly duckling of all ugly ducklings and couldn't do anything, my mama told me I couldn't sing and and I, I, you know, I, I couldn't, uh, you know, they wouldn't let me play on the basketball team. I, I, just, I just felt like a total reject. I was in, and I was the preacher's kid, which made it worse in public school, you know. Nobody wanted to play with the preacher's kid, you know. And I needed a friend, and God gave me a friend. And uh, she's been the, the best friend I've had through all of these years, and that's well over 50 years of course, we were still kids when we got married. Uh, she was still 17. Her dad had to sign. You, you know she's a kid when her dad had to sign for, her, for us to get married. And uh, she was still 17. I was 18. And, uh, but I wouldn't change it for nothing in the world. I made a lot of preparations for that day. I really did. And uh, I know I grew up in the poorest county in America. Uh, but... I worked hard growing up, saved every nickel. I never, I never bought candy uh, with the money I had because to me it's like eating a, eating a quarter, you know. If you uh, drink a pop and a, and a candy bar, it's like eating a quarter and it was gone. And you never got it back, so I saved them all. And when I got in high school, our senior year in high school, we had been courting for four years all the way through high school. And, and um, we... Um, come up Christmas time, I'd saved up my money, and I, we went to, came to Lexington, and uh, that was a big trip from the mountains up there, and uh, we went to O.G. Wilson, was the jewelry store in Lexington, and we picked out rings, and I paid $300 for her ring. I bought a cow for the same price, $300. I thought that was a good investment if you're going to get married. I'm just saying, we began making some preparations, getting ready. And uh, that was a good, uh, that was a great investment, that cow. That cow served us 10 years. Uh, we had meat in the freezer every year. And uh, for, for a good 10 years off of that one cow. And uh, just putting the calf in, uh, fattening the calf every year. And, and uh, so it was, uh, that was a profitable investment. 
I bought my 1974 Dodge Charger. I called it the Red Flash. And uh, I had it nearly paid for, I mean, when we got married. I was making preparations. And uh, in fact, I sold that car 10 years later to start our Christian school uh, uh, that we still have ongoing to this day. And that was a great investment as well, but we had our car. And then uh, I was, the, the, the deal was, I, when we gra- the day I graduated from high school, um, I went to get a job. And we were going, I was enrolling in Tennessee Temple uh, College, Bible College. And, and so I had to go, went ahead the day after I graduated, moved down to Georgia, found me a job. But uh, you had 30 days... 30 days to uh, a trial period where, uh, before you were guaranteed that job. So I, the 30 days passed, and they said, you're, you're on the payroll. You're, you're part of Brock and Blevins Steel Fabrication Plant, and which I worked six years there, uh, all the way through uh, my Bible college years. And, um, and so I called my wife. I, I called my, my bride-to-be. I said, we can get married now. I've got my job. It's, it's settled. And I went out and bought me a trailer. And I got me a trailer. I got that set up. And the day came. Now, I can tell you, I can almost remember every day. That, I was so excited. We were going to get married. And uh, that day was fast approaching. In fact, when, when she called, she said, well, when, when, do we, when do you want to get married? I said, how about next month? She said, could you give me a little more time than that to get ready? Uh, how about two months? And I said, okay. And this was at, right at the end of June. And so I said, how about uh, uh, August? She said, that's better. I said, August the 2nd. That's as quick into August as I could get. And so August the 2nd it was, I think she had five to six weeks to get ready. And she got ready. She made all the preparations for that day. I remember everything. We would write letters to each other. Every day we'd write letters. She still, she still kept them all. And uh, we have those. And it's precious, precious memories as we look back. But I remember that final week, everything, every day. Every day, the things I did to get ready to prepare for the wedding day. And with that in mind, I want you to think on this thought. Are you prepared for the wedding day? The king. Psalm 54, uh, 45 is the king's wedding. From verse 1, we see there's an observer there. He's perhaps an attendant, or maybe he is an attendee that uh, is taking care and have some responsibilities in the wedding, but he's perhaps the recorder. Where he's, he's I don't know if he was writing for the Jerusalem, Jerusalem Times, but he gave an, a, 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 every detailed an account of this wedding that was to be, that was going on. He gives a description of the king. He gives a description of the bride. He, he uh, shares the presentation of the bride. And oh, this is a glorious wedding. I remember my mother, she always was just infatuated with uh, weddings, these royal weddings. And um, 
Of course, my wife and I, was, uh, we were, in fact, working with my dad up there in the mountains when uh, Princess Diane and, and um, Prince Charles got married, and that was televised around the world. Do you realize it was estimated $48 million was the cost of that wedding? Can you imagine? And you know how that turned out. If all of that went into that wedding, can you imagine the wedding that is yet to come? All the, I mean, just, just, just to think, to be part of a wedding like that. It was a special privilege to be one who attended the wedding. But listen, dear friend. You and I, we are the bride. We're in this. And the, our king that is presented here, he's the one that's coming for us. And we're going to be, we're going to be escorted. We're going to be brought into his palace. Let's read it. My heart is indicting a good matter. I, I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with the, thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. And thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia. Out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with the gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. She shall be brought into the king, uh, unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. Instead of thy fathers shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. 
I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee for ever and ever. I apologize for not getting my wireless. I'll just stay right here. That'll be all right. And um, we'll go from there. You know today's weddings, they've lost the meaning. I mean, I, if you attend the most modern day weddings, they have lost the entire significance of what God intended when he wed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Everything about a wedding should be biblical. The biblical principles of even uh, the wedding ceremony and everything is given to us. But today, these young people, uh, they want to get out, married out on the beaches, in horse barns, in ball games, and there's nothing sacred. And if they have a big wedding, it is a big production. A young, one of my young preachers recently preached his first funeral. He was so nervous. And so I talked with him about it and gave him some counsel. I said, oh, I said, Cody, this is going to be great. You, you're going to be able to minister to some people and you're going to find that God will bless you in this. I said, Cody, I'd rather do ten funerals than one wedding. And he was shocked. He said, really? He said, why? I said, because a wedding is a production. It's too easy to make a mistake. I mean, it's too easy to mess up. But at a funeral, you're ministering to people. You're helping people. But at a wedding, you feel like you're just in the way. My daughter was telling me recently, and by the way, you know, I don't know what it is, but you know the, the person who is probably least part of that wedding is the minister. They don't care to have him in the pictures, you know, he's just... Finally, they said, oh, we forgot to take one with the preacher. Yeah, get the, come on, preacher, get in here. You know what I'm saying. It's an afterthought. My daughter today, or this past week, she was saying, you know, she said, I just read that it was posted that uh, this generation, the young people, they said, uh, in fact, they, they advise, don't invite old people to your wedding. Because all they'll do is eat your food and criticize how you did it. I said, that is exactly right. But who bought the food? And who's given the presents? I'm going to tell you, yeah, if you don't want the old people. And by the way, we've gotten so far away from the biblical method of marriage. Uh, that man ought to buy those girls. I've got four, had four daughters. Four weddings. And who paid for it? Absolutely. You know, having son-in-laws, girls are expensive to raise. They're, they really are. I mean, they're precious, and, and you wouldn't take anything in the world for them. And about the time they get where they're really contributing, you know, to your welfare, 
some fella backs his pickup truck up to your door and hauls them off and you have figured out by the time you get through paying for the wedding, you have financed his pickup truck to haul them off then. And it's just not right. It's just not right. The only, only compensation really that you get out of the whole thing is when those grandkids start coming. And, and then that's the compensation you get, you know. But in the Bible and in this passage of Scripture, it was the king that provided it all. The king did it all. Provided everything for the wedding. He prepared it all. But today, they've lost it. And the, the bride, sad to say, but to me, the bride is like she is shared with everybody. That which should be reserved sacred and holy and specifically for that king, that one who has given it all for her. But now, they even, I don't understand some of the traditions, now they even give away part of her undergarments. Share them now. No, I'm, maybe some of you think, don't think a thing about it, but to me, that's just not right. No way. I, I don't like that little part of it. I don't mind the bride throwing the bouquet, but what they throw to those groomsmen ought to be for the groom himself. I'm just saying, it's become so secular, a wedding ought to be sacred. It ought to be sacred. And that reception ought not to be uh, turned into a dance hall, a drunken fest, a, a shindig. But that's what, and sadly, I've been to some Christian and church weddings that turned into that. We've lost it. But dear church, that may be one thing in the, you know, in the, in this, in a physical wedding. But we are preparing ourselves for this glorious wedding one day that we ought to have in mind. There ought to be some preparations made. Here in this chapter... It is, these verses are given to us in the New Testament, and we are told this is a reference to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 quotes these verses, verse 8 and 9, Unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, we know it's Jesus is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is the scepter of thy kingdom. That's verse 6 in chapter 45. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. That's a reference to Jesus. We read of this eternal glorious wedding that we are, uh, we are approaching... 
Uh, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. In our text we have the, the dedication of the song that is given in verse number 1. <clears throat> but I want us to go to verse 2 and notice the description. The description. First, of the kingly groom, his beauty. We're talking about the king. We're talking about our Lord Jesus. This one that is described here, notice in verse number 2, Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips, therefore God hath blessed thee forever and ever. There, speaking of this groom, kingly groom, is mentioned in Song of Solomon 5, verse 9, What is thy beloved more than another beloved, O thou fairest among women? What is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost so charge us? My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among ten thousand. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as the raven. His eyes are as the eyes of, the, of doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are as bed of spices, as sweet flowers, his lips like lilies dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. His hands are as gold rings set with beryl. His belly is as bright ivory overlaid with sapphires. His legs are as a pillar, as pillars of marble set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. I think of a message that my dad preached, and I believe he preached it at the IFFB some years ago. And uh, his, his passage of scripture was, kiss the sun. I think about my dad, I loved hearing my dad pray, I'd rather hear my dad pray than most men preach. I remember him getting up once in a conference and there was just a holy hush fell upon that place as my dad opened his prayer with Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you for kissing me with your sunshine this morning. And it was like he was right there with Jesus. He met, met him every day in that fashion. He had a longing. A longing to see him. 
There was a beauty about him that he could see that most Christians never relish. How about you? How do you see Jesus today? How have you, have you recently looked upon him? Could you, could you as these psalmists write a beautiful description of your experience witnessing the one that you are going to wed that is yours? That you are the fairest too. We see this description of him, his beauty, and his speech. It says there, notice, grace is poured into thy lips. Oh, no one ever spake as gracious as Jesus. Do you remember when he spoke those gracious words to you? How about that woman called in adultery and as she lay there in the midst, humiliated in that multitude of people, the shame of her sin there as she's disgraced. They saying the law says she should be stoned and Jesus, what do you say? He that hath no sin... Let him cast the first stone, and one by one they disappeared. And then he looked to the woman and he said, Where are thine accusers? And she said, No man, Lord. And then those gracious, gracious words of Jesus, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I don't believe that woman had a difficult time with her perhaps occupation after that because of those gracious words that had been spoken to her. Neither should it be for you and for me. If you, we have heard the gracious words of the Lord Jesus, as Jesus spoke to the leper who begged for cleansing and those gracious words, Be thou clean! And his flesh became as a child of a baby and he was made whole and and you think of that one who came back glorifying him I'm going to tell you it shouldn't be a difficult thing for you and for me if we have heard the gracious words of our Lord Jesus you think about that demon possessed maniac tormented by those devils cutting himself. Chains could not hold him. And he heard the forgiving words of the Lord Jesus. He said, I want to be with you. I want to go with you. And Jesus said to him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee that no one else would? Have you heard the gracious words of Jesus? How about the unclean woman who had spent all upon those uh, physicians of no help as Job called his friends? But she had spent all and they had not helped her. 
But when Jesus said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Oh, on and on we could go through the Scriptures. But the question is this morning, have you heard the gracious words of Jesus? And then His rule. I can't understand anyone who would not want to. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Some think His rule is harsh. And He is hard. And I can't, I really can't understand. And if you can help me, I would appreciate it to be able to help me to understand these recovering fundamentalists. I mean, they've had it so difficult. I mean, uh, they, 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 had to have, they had to get a haircut when they were a boy. Uh, they, 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 they couldn't smoke their cigars, and, and they weren't allowed to go to movies, and, and uh, uh, the girls were not allowed, allowed to wear britches, and, and uh, oh, they were just so... Harshly treated, and so it was so difficult. I'm going to tell you, they've never heard the gracious words of Jesus. Have you heard the gracious words of Jesus? Follow thou me. His rule, notice what it says concerning his rule is righteousness. Verse number six. He says, the scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Oh, it's so hard to be a Christian. Really? Are you? Oh, haven't you? Have you seen him? I know it's difficult for some women to obey their husbands because I know their husbands. And I'm going to tell you though, but if you trust Him, it's not, not difficult to obey Him. If you have a husband, dear ladies, that would lay his life down for you, give his life for you, and give his life to you, Brother Steve Ware this morning said he just celebrated his 50th with his dear wife. And he said to her, honey, the next 30 days is yours. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. And he said they took off for 30 days. He said after about day 10, she said, let's go home. <laughs> yeah. But you know... Jesus has given himself to us. He did not just give himself for us. But he has given himself to us. What a lovely, wonderful Lord. Lord and Savior. And yes, we are to be like him. And pastors, we are to be like him. <clears throat> As a shepherd who loves his sheep. His rule is righteous and his fragrance All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces. Those speak of, by the way, of his anointing. 
and who he was and, and all that that too represented what he did for us and his death, his burial and he still smells that with that precious fragrance. Oh, to be with him. The myrrh, that bitter, yet sweet ointment. Fragrance. The aloes, speaking of his suffering. The cassia, his healing. But his garments. We see the description of the kingly groom. We see in verse number 10, the instruction. The instruction to the bride. And I would highly recommend anyone getting married to get all the instruction and help that you can. Not from worldly sources, but someone who knows the book that can give you some help. And I highly recommend if you are given that opportunity as pastors before you do a wedding, make sure you take some time with them to prepare them. Because it should not be as it is for most after the great production. It's all downhill from there. But the instruction to the bride and is first of all love. Love. Uh, your love is for your king. Verse 10. Hearken, O daughter, and consider incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. Your love is to be for him. There should be no rival. There should be no rival of his love. Your love for him. Nothing. Not of this world. Not of this world. The old flesh. Anything that this old world has to offer. Our love should be reserved and held for Him. And you're to forget your own people. What happened when the servant came and said to Rebecca, There's a prince. Oh, he's got great wealth. Here's just a sample. Just a sample. And he, he, put the, he put the gold and the jewels upon her and gave to her family. But he said, oh, this is just a sample of the wealth that he has. And uh, you must go. He wants you. He desires you. You're the one. You're the God-given one for him. What will you do? She said, I will go. And then the world and her family said, Now wait a minute. Let's talk about this. Let's make sure you really want to go. And no doubt, they began to want more and more. And that's the way old Laban was for sure, wasn't he? But finally she said, No, I, I must go. She never saw her family again. She had to forget her family. You see, she was a Gentile. 
She was, as was known, a Syrian. She was a Syrian. She was not in the family of Abraham, the family of Isaac. But then uh, that servant brought Rebecca all along the way. Said, oh, just wait till you see him. Oh, just wait. You're going to love him. He's glorious. He's wonderful. All of his wealth is waiting for you. And then when she saw him, why, she fell off the camel. I mean, she got so excited. I mean, she was just, she jumped off that camel. I mean, she is ready. She put the veil on. She said, I'm, I'm, I'm here. We're, we're, let's do this. And, and he took her into his mother's tent. That was where he was born, you see. How was Rebecca going to get into the family? Brought her in by marriage. Now everything that Isaac has is Rebecca's. They're one. Isaac got in by birth. Rebecca got in by marriage. And now he's brought her in to, to that family. How did you and I get in God's family? <clears throat> Jesus brought us in. We're made one with him. He's brought us in in everything he has. All that he has. It's ours. So now, don't you forget now you, you're, you, who you're marrying. You, you forget your people. You forget the past. You forget all those things that tie you back here, Rebecca. You, you forget those things of the old life. We're going heavenward. Your love is for the king. Forget your own people. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. That's what God said. Keep yourself pure. Verse 13, the king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. She's glorious within. Keep yourself pure. And that instruction is for you and for me. It should not be it not should not be so difficult for us. Don't forget who you are. You're the king's daughter. Don't forget who you are. Remember where he's brought you from. I think about Hosea. And Gomer. Hosea went and paid the price. They said it equivalent to 30 pieces of silver, what he paid for her on the slave market. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for an homer of barley and, and half homer of barley. I bought her to myself. He's bought us. Let's don't forget that. He's made us the king's daughter. And then, last of all, I want us to consider the anticipation. <clears throat> We've seen the description. 
And um, look at the anticipation. And first there's a description of the king's daughter. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but I know in today's, if there was a write-up about a big wedding, it would, you know, it features the bride. But here it features the king. It's all about the king. It's all about him. There's the description of the bride that is given, but it's from the king's perspective. It says his anticipation. Notice here the anticipation of the king. As, he, he, uh, as the king greatly desires thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. He desires you. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought, and they shall enter into the king's palace, the king. His anticipation, always longing, he's looking. Expectation. Have you thought about how, from his perspective, the Lord Jesus longing, looking for that day. I was anxious for the day that Gail and I would be married. I would write her letters. I would write letters to her and tell her that I loved her looking forward to that day and and each letter would contain how many days were left until we were going to be married can I tell you your king has been writing love letters to you every day he writes you a love letter I preached recently to a, in an old folks home on a love letter from God, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He has written love letters to you. He tells me every day that he loves me. And he tells me every day he's coming for me. That day is soon coming. It won't be long. We're going, to be, we're going to be one, I mean, forever and forever. He tells me that every day. I think about the anticipation of the bride. She's looking forward to that day. Oh, she can't wait. Her anticipation, she has preparing herself, readying herself. Everything about her to be pleasing so that he will not be ashamed. He has told her, I've prepared a place for you. And oh, that's a good part of this study as well. The place, the palace, where it's going to all take place. The glorious place and palace, the ivory palace is the glorious city. But we see she prepares 
her place, herself. Think of what John says, and now little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Peter said, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens, heavens will pass away with great noise and elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works there, uh, that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking far and hasting unto the coming of the day, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The anticipation. And then the presentation of the bride. All rise. And I'm going to tell you, heaven, all of heaven is going to stand at attention. And here she comes. We see the, this presentation, her attire. Ephesians 5.27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it, that it should be holy and, and without blemish. Revelation tells us that, that we'll be clothed with fine linen, pure and white, which is the righteousness of the saints, that he has provided for us her attraction, her escort. It says there, she shall be brought. And aren't you thankful that we, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, and all the holy attendants of heaven, those attending angels, that usher us in and bring us in. Oh, that wonderful presentation. Then we'll close with the invitation. Jesus, looking forward and anxiously awaiting, he closes his love letter to us. Revelation chapter 22, he said, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bride and morning star and the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And again he said, concerning this wonderful wedding that we're, he said, it's a blessed thing to be part of, and be one who is called to the wedding, to be part of that glorious wedding. That's coming, soon to be. Perhaps sooner than we would uh, really are anticipating. Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Lord, Lord Jesus, as I've heard my dad say so many times to you, I love you. Thank you for purchasing, redeeming me to yourself. Thank you for giving me the promise that you will come again.
And one day we'll see you face to face. And oh, we could go on about the supper, that reception that's going to be had. And that, uh, there's nothing that we've ever witnessed. The $48 million catastrophe of the royal wedding of England is a catastrophe compared to what is waiting. You gird yourself. You're going to serve us. We'll be presented without spot or wrinkle. Neither sorrow nor crying. No more death. And as my dad would say, I love you. I want to see you. Think of the last prayer he prayed. The last thing he said when he closed out his final sermon, final time of greeting on his Facebook post that he'd make every day, I'll see you on the other side. We look forward to that day. Now, Lord, help us today to invite somebody else and help us to be pure and holy and godly and clean in this present day and age. In Jesus' name, amen.